It's a big white spaceshipy looking thing. And inside it, we've got like a, a bit like a submarine door that you push it in, fold it back and then pull it out. This is veterinary nurse Annette McFadgen from Town and Country Vets in Nelson at the north of the South Island of New Zealand, describing the clinic's hyperbaric oxygen machine. Although not a common bit of equipment in veterinary clinics, there is some very sound science behind it, and some remarkable results are being described. In this episode of The Vet Podcast, we are diving into hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Are you a veterinarian dreaming about working down under in New Zealand? If so, I'd love to help you make that dream come true. Hi, I'm Julie South of Vetstaff. Vetstaff is New Zealand's only recruitment agency specialising in the Kiwi veterinary sector. We can help you find your dream job down under, from short-term locum assignments through to permanent employment and residency. Because we know God's own Aotearoa New Zealand like the back of our hands, we can match your career aspirations with a clinic that'll suit you best. Whether you're planning to work here for a few months or forever, if it's got anything to do with working in a vet clinic in New Zealand, we can help. Vetstaff.co.nz You are listening to The Vet Podcast, presented by veterinarian Dr Brian Greger from New Zealand. Join us as we discuss pet health issues from around the world. After a few false starts and a couple of unexplained technical issues, I finally caught up with Annette. My first question to her was, what is hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Well, I guess people mainly know about um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy with regard to being uh, scuba divers with the bends. So it's exactly the same thing, only we use it for healing wounds and speeding up healing, basically, for all sorts of different things. So it's oxygen under pressure. So is this considered to be mainstream therapy or is it sort of in the in the mung bean and apricot kernel kind of department? Well, considering we all need to breathe oxygen, um, it, it is considered an adjunctive therapy. It's a mainstream treatment, but it is kind of out there on a left field a wee bit, just because there's only a couple in New Zealand. So Maybe we just pause here a minute and take a bit of a look at the science behind hyperbaric oxygen therapy. If you want a good overview, Diane Leverton has written a very good article on the treatment for dvm360.com. To find this, just go to dvm360 and search hyperbaric. In a nutshell, as Annette says, hyperbaric oxygen therapy involves putting the patient in a pressurised vessel and allowing them to breathe 100% oxygen. In this oxygen environment, rather than the oxygen being transported by the haemoglobin in the red blood cells, it actually dissolves in the plasma, so this will allow tissue survival without haemoglobin, which is an obvious advantage in ischemic areas, that is those areas with a compromised blood supply. Some of you may recall Flick's Law, which is the law relating to stuff going from an area of higher concentration to an area of lower concentration, proportional to the concentration, or something like that. It's diffusion. This is what happens to the oxygen in the plasma. 
It diffuses to areas of lower oxygen concentration, which is often the damaged tissue, and it decreases the effect of the damaged blood supply, which often accompanies injuries and burns. You may also remember that infection and disease will increase the body's demand for oxygen, while anemia, toxins, hemorrhage decrease the ability of the haemoglobin to carry oxygen. With the oxygen in the plasma, this issue is negated. As if these factors aren't enough, oxygen under pressure also causes vasoconstriction, that is tightening, of the smooth muscles in the arteries and veins, but not in the capillaries or the lymphatics, decreasing bleeding and increasing the removal of edema or swelling. Like I said, for more details on this and the references, go to the DVM360 article. The next question I put to Annette didn't quite give the answer that I was expecting, but it shows how much she loves her machine. What's the machine actually look like? I'm, I'm imagining a, a, a dirty great cylinder, which is, you know, sort of like a big oxygen tank or something. Well, I think it's quite beautiful. <laughs> I've seen um, a few others who are like big copper cylinders. Our one is steel and it's white. It came from a human clinic, so it, it looks aesthetically pleasing. It's a big white spaceshipy looking thing with a control panel at one end and kind of like portholes, uh, three of those around, so you can watch what's going on with your patient and they can look back at you. And inside it, we've got like a, a bit like a submarine door that you push it in, fold it back, and then pull it out. And we have on a big slider a perspex cage. So we put the animal in, push the cage in, lock everything down, and they can watch you out the window and you can talk to them as well. So it's really no different than the kind of gear that they use for treating divers with the bends. It's basically the same machine. Yeah, exactly the same. And I think that may be where it came from originally. So our chat moved away from the aesthetics of the machine, more to the functionality. So how do the animals react to going into, into the chamber? Do they have to be tranquilized or anesthetized or do you just throw a bit of food in there and just let them have a good time? Well, the cats love it. Uh, initially they're a little bit, oh, what are you doing to me sort of thing. We put them in a cage inside the chamber into the Perspex box and we always put a little bit of cotton bedding in. You only can have cotton, uh, anything that's not particularly flammable. And the cats usually curl up and have a snooze because it gets quite warm in there. The dogs are a little bit more reticent about the whole thing. Some of them stress quite badly. We've had a big pig dog once try to eat its way out, which was very tricky. We had to bring him up in a hurry because he was going to ruin everything inside that cave. He was kind of just chewing at things and pouring at things. So those sort of dogs, if we think they're a little bit nervy or a bit stressy, we usually give them a, a little bit of sedation, wait till it's affected and then pop them in. Some of those dogs, after a couple of treatments, if they're, say, having five or ten treatments, they start to relax after the first two or three, and they almost seem like they know it's doing them good, and they settle. Some of them you have to sedate each time, which, of course, increases the price a little bit. We have already looked at the theory behind hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So bearing that in mind, what are the indications for the treatment? What do we treat with it? Probably the two most common conditions in humans treated with hyperbaric oxygen treatment are carbon monoxide poisoning and the bends or decompression disease. 
Although, to be truthful, I have never had to treat a pet with carbon monoxide poisoning and are really struggling to envisage the scenario where a dog could actually get the beans. But certainly severe tissue damage is something veterinarians see regularly, so conditions like crush injuries, burns and skin loss. As the treatment helps decrease swelling and edema, this is an obvious potential use. I have come across a study, however, which found that there was no advantage, there was no benefit in using hyperbaric oxygen therapy for treating acute lacerations. So obviously this isn't a panacea for all wounds. Progressive necrotizing conditions like necrotizing fasciitis and as an adjunct to infections are also on the list. There are reports that high oxygen levels increase the production of osteoblasts, which for the non-vets are the cells which produce new bone, so there is an indication for the use in fractures and with antibiotics, osteomyelitis, a nasty bone infection, where you are getting a double whammy of helping reduce the infection as well as aiding new bone production. There is a specific indication for treating actinomycosis or lumpy jaw in association with the appropriate medication. There are also reports of treatment helping with brain and nerve damage and even arthritis. Again, for more information on these, check out the references in the DVM 360 article. So, the next question for Annette is, what conditions have your practice treated and how have they gone? A lot of infections actually, mainly you know, um, say, for example, we had a cat that had a necrotizing fasciitis, which was in the fat pad initially, and basically that cat had the infection going from the umbilicus right round to the anus. So it was a real mess. And if I think really you wouldn't even try to heal that without the hyperbaric chamber because it the cat had come in and it was um, debrided and cut away and, and it just got worse and worse and worse, basically. And then even with the antibiotics and then with the hyperbaric oxygen as well, it makes quite a difference. You've cut away all that yucky tissue and then you can see the new granulation tissue just starting around the edges. And that would happen quite quickly. Now, if that cat didn't have that, if you tried to heal it in in the conventional way, you'd be looking at 12 months. And we healed this cat that looked like a skinned rabbit in three months. So it just speeds up the healing. Uh, we've had a dog with a, with uh, third degree burns from a house fire in Christchurch. It saved its family and he had four treatments. He was a little bit fierce, this dog, so we had to handle him very carefully. Big dog as well, so he kind of only just fitted in the chamber. And four treatments, the, those burns had decreased incredibly. So from 12 inches across to four inches across after four treatments. And, and, and it continues to work even after the dog has come out of the chamber. Interestingly, with, with that one, that dog, we came just three weeks after the initial burns. And each time he came out of the chamber, the toxic odour from plastic must have been still in his skin and coming out of his system. It was a terrible smell. That was actually going to bring me to one of my other questions, and it was, what what is the typical course of treatment? How how many times do they have to go through the machine, or is is that condition dependent? Um, It can be, well, condition and progress dependent, really, because some animals really show an improvement quite quickly, and other ones take longer. So we had a wallaby, and she had um, an osteomyelitis in the jaw, like it was a lumpy jaw, which cattle get. And she had 40 treatments. 
So that's a lot. And the two cats with the necrotizing fasciitis also had 40 treatments. And you generally go every day for five days and then give them the, the weekend off to um, have really good quality food, high calorie food to help them to repair because their body is repairing at such a rate they need to catch up. So they need the rest and they're usually pretty tired. So three treatments minimum, I would say, for, say, um, a saddle thrombus in a cat. We have had some quite good results with that one. When the gentleman went to bring his cat in, the fourth day it had gone out the window and disappeared. So I think, well, that's a good sign. Um, not always. You, there's no guarantees, but it certainly has been helpful. So three to five, five for wounds, but for the really nasty ones, the more you can do, the better. There are often reasons why a treatment can't be given to a certain animal, contraindications. So I asked Annette whether there are any contraindications to the use of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Yes, we haven't actually had oxygen toxicity issues, but that is one thing that can happen. Anything with uh, inflammation or damage to the lungs, because you don't want to cause barotrauma. We have had a couple of dogs that have had an ear infection, which haven't it's not the reason they've come in. They've come in for something else. And then as you're pressurising the chamber, the dogs start to shake their heads and, and kind of go head on one side. And you either stop and wait for a little while to see if they if it settles and you can go a bit deeper. But a couple I've had to do at half the depth and then you've had to treat the air condition and then you can put them back in again. But they don't have, they don't have to equalise like humans. Generally, it's not a problem unless there's something going on in their ears. You've got a combination here of high pressure and high oxygen. I mean, to me, that equals an explosion. How risky are these machines? Do they blow up or do they catch on fire? Interestingly, we were in the middle of a big session of hyperbarics with about five dogs. So there was somebody doing hyperbarics all day, every day. And there was on the news about a chamber that had blown up in the States with a horse in it. And the problem was with that one, they had left the shoes on the horse and it had got nervous and poured through the rubber floor, caused a spark and off it went. So usually you've got to have some sort of an ignition to, to have an explosion or, or a fire. We're very careful that the bedding is, is towel, toweling, just cotton, um, and that our long-haired dogs and cats get spritzed with a bit of water so they're damp. And you just smooth it over them so that they're quite damp. And then you've got to be really careful that somebody hasn't just put an oily flea treatment or a spill of antibiotics onto a coat or anything, anything oily. We just take extra precautions. So this has been a very quick once over of hyperbaric oxygen therapy. It certainly seems to be another very useful tool in the toolbox for treating certain conditions. I would strongly suggest if you need more information on this, go to that DVM360 article and have a read of it and follow up the links in it. Now, for Kiwis, for people living in New Zealand who want to contact town and country vets about hyperbaric oxygen therapy, I asked Annette, how do people contact her practice? Uh, through our website, really, which is www.tcvet.co.nz, or they can give us a call on 03544-1200. And that's it for another episode of the VET Podcast. If you've had any experience with hyperbaric oxygen therapy, let us know. Either email us at vetpodcast at gmail.com or just contact us through any of our social media channels. Just search VET Podcast. Until next time.
and that's it for another episode of the Vet Podcast. All of our links are in one place at beacons.ai slash vetpodcast. That is B-E-A-C-O-N-S dot A-I slash vetpodcast. And while you're there, don't forget to buy us a coffee. On behalf of me, Brian Greger, and everybody else involved in the making of this podcast, thanks for listening and we'll catch you again soon. Thank you.